Allahu Akbar Allahu Akbar Allahu Akbar Allahu Akbar Asyhadu an la ilaha illallah Asyhadu an la ilaha illallah Asyhadu anna Muhammadar Bismillahirrahmanirrahim Alhamdulillahi wa kafa wa salatu wa salamu ala al-mustafa Alhamdulillahi munshin khalqi min adami summa salatu ala al-mukhtari fil qidami Mawla wa salli wa sallim daiman arin ala habibika khayri al-khalqi kullihimi Wa qala Allah ta'ala ba'da a'udhu billahi min al-shaytani rajim Bismillahirrahmanirrahim Wal asr inna al-insan lafi khusr وقال الله تعالى وتلك الأيام نداولها بين الناس وقال النبي السلام وعليه وسلم بعثت ليتمم مكارم الأخلاق friends, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in many places in the Quran refers to time the passing of time the passage of time and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses different words to describe time Sometimes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses words that are gender. For example, walasr, by the token of time. Innal insana lafi khusr. Insan is in a state of loss. Sometimes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses the passage of time by way of days, by way of nights. Yawmun, a day, laylun. Wallayli ila yagsha, out on the night when it now covers. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses and refers to different zones and different quantities of time from the beginning of the Quran right till the end. And there's a reason why. That whenever a passage of time passes by, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala expects the human being to reflect. To reflect upon their personal condition and how much they have done in a positive way to meet their Allah. 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala even speaks to those who may consider themselves to be senior, having lived a decent number of years in this world, by telling them and addressing them that, uh, is it not time, is it not time that those who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave restraint and gave opportunity with, that they remember their Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So whenever a passage of time occurs, it is the duty and responsibility of a believer that they honor that passage of time. And whenever a passage of time like a year passes by, like Muharram, for example, we are a few days into the new Islamic year, then whenever a passage of time occurs, a Muslim must become reflective. Then in the approach towards the time that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given me, have I honored the benefit that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has extended to me? And look at this here. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala over and over again in the kitab, in the book of Allah, reminds human beings, reminds insan. Have I not extended unto you opportunity? Have I not extended unto you occasions wherein you are worthy of punishment, but yet I lifted that punishment from you? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in an entire surah, in surah Rahman, describes and addresses the human being and insan and the jinnat by saying, Which of the favors of your Allah do you deny? Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa would address the Quraysh, the disbelievers in Makkatul Mukarramah in a similar way by telling them that, you know, your Allah has given you this. Do you deny his favors by still worshipping stone? Allah has given you life. Allah has given you opportunity. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you the ability to trade that he had given no other people the ability to trade like you are. An entire surah is devoted to the passage of time associated with the trade of the people of Makkah. لِإِلَى فِي Quraysh. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells the Quraysh, and at this time they were not Muslim, the majority of them were still not Muslim. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells them, لِإِلَى فِي Quraysh, that O Quraysh, for your benefit, for your uh, well-being and prosperity, لِإِلَافِ قُرَيْشِ رِحْلَةَ الشِّتَاءِ وَالسَّيْفِ I've given you the ability to travel in the summer and in the winter. When nobody else had that opportunity, everybody else living in all parts of the world, remember this is medieval time, we're not living in our times for that matter. When in our times, if a person wants to travel in summer, well, you've got the facility to travel in summer. But years gone by, when such opportunities would not arise, a person would be considered a fool if they were living in the hottest part of the world when they want to travel in summer. They would be considered a fool if they wanted to live or travel and they were living in the coldest area of the world. They had to apply common sense. They had to realize that there are certain seasons to do something. That if it is boiling hot outside, why risk life and limb and go out into the scorching heat and put myself and my animal and my goods and my well-being and my sanity 
at risk by venturing out in the middle of the heat. It's something that people appreciate, especially when they go for Hajj and Umrah in these periods of the year, June, July, August, etc. What it must have been at the time of Nabi Wasallam, without any current and modern facilities. So Allah tells them that, oh Quraysh, you're a very unique community. Because of your geographical location, I have placed you in a portion of the earth that it is possible for you in summer for you to travel to the cooler parts of the world and when it is uh, winter for you to travel to places which are also hot like you but you are able to travel because it is winter. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was referring to two destinations that he allowed the Quraysh to travel that made them prosperous businessmen. One was to the north, the greater Syria and Levant area, which they used to undertake their journeys in the winter when it was cooler. And the other one in the south, in summer, wherein they would go to Yemen, a shorter distance, not very far. They would bring frankincense and, and, and herbs and, and, and fruit and all types of agricultural products from the south, and they would bring industrial goods, shoes, leatherware, those things from the north, and they would meet in the middle in Mecca to Mukarrama, and Allah Ta'ala reminds them that we put you in a unique position, that you have the monopoly of this trade for so many years so therefore remember your Allah because you could have been born in any part of the world you could have been born in any type of community but we put you in a prosperous part of the world that although nothing grows here that if you had to take a seed from anywhere in the world and plant it in your soil it's not going to grow under natural circumstances but yes yet you have become prosperous in the middle of the desert Allah Ta'ala reminds them so when you undertake that passage of travel and you are there going to the north or going to the south and those two or three months pass by remember your Allah come back to Mecca and listen to what this man Muhammad the son of Abdullah has got to say Allah Ta'ala speaks about it way in Surah Quraysh addressing them in this particular way which is not an individual or a unique message for them it's a message unto every community and individual till the time ends that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala placed you in a particular trade, in a particular level of prosperity. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala granted you such favors that he had not granted other people. Therefore allow it to become a means of remembering your Allah more and never ever forget your Allah. Coming to this month of Muharram, you know, the beginning of the Islamic year, the Islamic calendar, wasn't established by Rasulullah The fact that Muharram is the first month of the year, that was already established. But the Hijri calendar that we use, 1441, 42, 43, 44, 45, 46, that was established after Rasulullah During the time of Rasulullah and Abu Bakr the system of calculating events would be the old Arab system. For example, if some event took place in the year, they would name it after that event. Prime example, Rasulullah was born when? Year of the elephants. 
Alam tara kaifa fa'ala rabbuka bi ashabil fil. Rasulullah SAW was born when? In the year of the elephants. The same year that Abraha from Yemen came and attacked the Kaabatullah or attempted to destroy the Kaabatullah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent that flock of birds which he speaks about in Surah Fil. Rasulullah SAW was born in the very same year. And which is not unique to him. Whenever a Nabi was to be born, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends such events unto the world that are considered by the people of the world not to be a normal run of the day events. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to impress upon them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to show them that the qudra of your Allah is manifesting now and in a few months. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to allow it to manifest by way of a guide that's going to come to you. Look at Isa alayhi salatu wasalam, the Nabi before him. What event happened when Isa alayhi salatu wasalam was born? The fact that Maryam alayhi salatu wasalam conceived without the intervention of a man and the ruh of Allah was blown directly inside her and Isa alayhi salatu wasalam was conceived by her without the medium of a man. That was something that was intended to wake up and show the greatness of Allah subhanahu the previous Anbiya Let's take a random example. Musa What does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala create by way of an event over there? That Fir'aun is slaughtering the babies left, right and center. Musa salam is born in the environment where he's supposed to be slaughtered. But yet he is put in a dangerous situation in a box in the river, in the Nile River. And where does it float? Of the millions of places that it could possibly float to the mouth of a crocodile, to the Mediterranean Sea, to wherever it could float. It floated to the backyard of the enemy that he is going to destroy. And Musa is raised as a son of the household. And even though Fir'aun knows that the same youngster is going to kill me, he can do absolutely nothing about it because it is the will of Allah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala showed time in memorial that whenever such an event takes place, I will, or my Nabi, uh, uh, Nabi is to be born, I will create an event that will remind people of the greatness of Allah till the end of time. So when was Rasulullah born here of the elephants? So the Arabs and even the Muslims during the time of Rasulullah would not calculate events in a particular year using a numerical system 2021 1431 what they would do simply if they wanted to record an event that a certain treaty had taken place they would say you're the elephant this took place on this day on this month finish that was good enough for them and it sufficed not only for them even in China, in, in many calendars of the world, year of this, year of that, they wouldn't add a numerical value to the year itself. It worked out fine during the time of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam because that was customary practice across the whole world. The, especially the world that the Muslims interacted with. It worked out fine during the time of Abu Bakr one, because similar, the borders of the Muslim Khilafah extended to the border of the Romans of the Persians. But during the time of Omar one, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala granted great advancements to Islam, and mind you that only 
a handful of actual battles were fought in the time of Omar radiallahu anh, yet the number of people expressing their iman or coming into Islam was far more greater than a khalif that would even come a hundred years later on. And they were expressed the reason why. That we heard of the justice of Omar. And we want to remain under the justice of Omar. Everywhere you go to a Persian community, to a North African community, to a Roman community, the reason why we are aligning with you Muslims is because of the justice of Omar, the justice of Omar, even though they never even see Omar. And they probably would have never seen him in his entire life. Showing us the reputation of a person will travel far further than you. You'll only be able to travel a few hundred kilometers or a few thousand miles in your life. Even if you're a frequent flyer, there's a limit to how far you can go. Even if you're a frequent flyer and you travel continents twice or thrice or four times in the year, there's ultimately a limit to how many people you're going to interact with, how many miles you are going to travel. It's not going to be unlimited or infinite, it's going to be finite. And nobody in this world can deny that, that particular point. But there's one thing that travels further than the man. That is the reputation of the man. That that reputation, be justice, of course, hopefully good reputation, good aspects of reputation, that will go far further than you yourself could ever travel in this world. Prime example, Umar bin Khattab, radiallahu anh. Now during the time of Umar bin Khattab, radiallahu anh, from 12 provinces that were under Abu Bakr Within the first three years of Abu Omar it becomes 144 provinces. During the time of Omar of Abu Bakr two languages that the Islamic Khilafah had to deal with, Persian to the north, Arabic to the south. During the time of Omar no less than 31 languages from Georgian to Armenian to the different dialects of Arabic Islam came to North Africa, you still have the Coptics or the Coptic Christians who have their own language at that point in time. Eventually they assimilated into Arabic, but at that time it was absolutely unique. The islands of Rhodes and Cyprus, which are today part of Greece, have their own dialect of Greek, all of this during the time of who? Omar bin Khattab radiallahu Omar bin Khattab radiallahu only left Medina as a caliph once, when he went to Masjid al-Aqsa to collect the keys. And that too for a period of 21 days. And after that he did Hajj twice. And that's the only time he left Medina to Munawra. In other words, besides that route, he never go anywhere else. Yet, the reputation of Omar, the justice of Omar what the Muslims stood for, went far and beyond to a point that people were ready to accept what this man is ready to tell us. That if he is in charge, we are with you. Now of course, with the increase of any particular administration, there's obviously different administrative needs that are now anew in the, in, in the Khilafah, which didn't exist before. So Omar one used to receive correspondence from all these different parts of the world and he used to write back. And Omar bin Khattab used to dictate and write himself. He was one of those very few who were able to read and write. And his cousin Khalid bin Walid was also able to read and write in a similar way. Nonetheless, 
when he used to receive these letters, he used to express to his administrative staff, if only I know when these letters were written, because the fellow is writing about a drought, I don't know whether he's writing about this year's drought or five years from now, because he's writing that we haven't got this and we haven't got that, he's, he's, he's expecting that we now send help or aid or we congratulate him on some war or victory, but we don't exactly know when the thing took place. So he assembled his administrative team that still had the majority of the Sahaba radiallahu and asked them, we have to start a numerical system. The Romans got a numerical system. The Persian calendar is already 1008. The Zoroastrian calendar was already at that time, nearly 2000 years. The Persian calendar was, or rather the Roman calendar, was already following the Gregorian calendar that we are currently following which they claim, of course, to be on the death of Isa, which we don't believe. Nonetheless, they had a system. We have to implement some system. So he consulted with the Sahaba, radiallahu Some of them said, you know, you know what? Let's make the, the beginning point of our year the birth of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He noted it. Somebody said the passing away of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Somebody said this and somebody said that. Until one person, and it's assumed to be Abu Musa Ash'ari radiallahu alayhi He says, in my opinion, the most significant point for the Muslims was the migration of Rasulullah from Makkah to Medina. Because it represented our two phases when we were in Makkah beseeching Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for help, fearing for our lives and our well-being because the kuffar were persecuting us. But yet Allah Ta'ala's help and assistance was coming to us. And then the vastness of Medina al-Munawwara which separated what was what was the separating factor? The migration was a separating factor when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave us hegemony, authority, strength. We were able to call the adhan from the masajid, which we could not do in Makkah because we were still under the hands of the kuffar and the disbelievers at that point in time. We could now administer zakat. We could now call jihad. We could call adhan. We could now distribute inheritance and charity openly to our people without any fear from anybody else. We were in power from a administrative point of view in Medina, but Makkah, it was a different level altogether. It, was, it, it required a higher level of Iman. It required a, a, a more a closer beseechment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because of the position where we were, which is famously known as the Makki and the Madani period. It's even recorded in the Quran, when you go to the top of a surah, it shows you whether the surah is Makki, revealed in Makkah, or Madani, revealed in Medina. And the topics that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala discusses in Makki ayat and in Madani ayat are different. In Makkah al-Mukarramah, it was more about solidifying the individual. Turn to Allah. La tahinu wa la tahzanu. Do not grieve. Do not despair. Because that was the challenge of the time. Wa antubul a'lawm. The day will come wherein you will become on top. Your shuhada, your martyrs will be forgiven by Allah. They will be the best. That type of encouragement to enforce the community. But in Medina to Menorah, what comes here? The ayats of inheritance, the ayats of zakat, the ayats of calculation, the ayats of right living, the ayats of administration, of how a leader should interact with people, even the conversations that Rasulullah would engage with the people would be regarding that particular topic. So Abu Musa Ashari says that the pivotal point for this ummah was the migration.
And the Ummah should never forget the Hijrah and the migration. And especially the circumstances of the migration of our Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa migrated or left his house in the month of Safar. He didn't leave his house in the month of Muharram. But the process of migration was six or seven months long. So when Allah Ta'ala revealed to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa tell your people Medina is ready for them, they must move. He was... He was very sensitive of the fact that if you're going to tell everybody to move all at once, not everybody is ready to do so. Not everybody is backed up financially. Not everybody is mentally ready to leave what they know as home and jump on a bandwagon and go. Everybody is not ready for that. So he prepared the Sahaba radiallahu anhu. Medina is open for us. Medina is open for us. It's Darul Iman. It's a place of Iman. And one by one the people got ready and would come and ask for permission sometimes Rasulullah would deny the permission. Have you paid your debts? Have you got parents here in Mecca? Have you taken care of, you want to make hijrah, have you taken care of them? Have you taken care of this? In the case of a woman who would now come, is your, is your husband a Muslim? My husband is not a Muslim. At that time, of course, it wasn't the law of you not being allowed to marry a mushrik. He would tell her, you've got young children, you've got a husband, stay where you are. At that time, it wasn't haram. Now, of course, after later, it became haram. But at that point in time, he would advise her, stay where you are, Allah Ta'ala will open a way for you. A slave will come. I want to run away from my master. My master doesn't mistreat me, but you know what? He's not a Muslim and I want to join you on migration. Rasulullah says, no, that's not our way. You stay where you are. Allah Ta'ala will open a way for you and your master later on. But, and your master is not a Muslim. You stay where you are. Allah Ta'ala talks about such people in the Quran. That when they would see people migrating, they would be filled with tears. Allah Ta'ala consoles them by saying that do not worry. Your reward is also with these people, but you can't do it right now. When Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala commanded Rasulullah to make migration, to make hijrah, it was on the very same evening. The morning of that evening, the Quraysh had gathered. Today we are going to assassinate and kill the Prophet We're going to surround his house. And so that the blame will not fall on one or two individuals of the 55 small and big tribes of Makkah. We're going to select one, 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 one person. And simultaneously they are going to stab him so that he now you know, is deceased and he dies. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told Rasulullah sallallahu you want to make migration, you make hijrah, you make hijrah on that night, the most dangerous night. Because I want to show the entire world that where was everybody else? Everybody else was disappeared. They, they weren't there. They went around. But I looked after my Nabi directly. You recite Surah Yaseen as you exit and come out of your house. They will be blinded to you. Rasulullah and even in the nation picked up sand, blew in the face of one of them who's standing with his dagger, saying, Shahatil Wujuh, what's wrong with this man's face that he cannot even see me? He walks amongst them until he comes to the house of Abu Bakr and leaves in his bed Ali. Later on, from the member when Ali was a Khalifa, somebody asked him that, Ya Ali, you're a very brave person, but were you ever scared? 
He said, I was scared one day. That day when the Prophet ﷺ told me to sleep in his bed, when he was making hijrah and migration, because I knew that they were all ready to look for him. But then that day also became my most peaceful day, when the Prophet ﷺ told me, I will see you in Medina. It started off as about the most dangerous day of mine, but it ended off as the most peaceful night, because I believed the words of Rasulullah I didn't believe the daggers of those people outside, but I believe the words of my Nabi Now Umar is explaining to the Muslims, imagine this event that has taken place, where your Nabi, under the veil of darkness and surrounded by what would normally cause danger and fear to, to a person, they in the cave with Abu Bakr for a number of days, this is the pivotal event of this Ummah, which we commemorate through the Hijri calendar, and which is up for us to learn the significance thereof. My respected friends, we'll conclude upon this point in the next couple of days, the 9th and 10th of Muharram. Rasulullah also showed us a few a'mal and actions that he himself would fast on the 10th when he observed the Yahud and the Jews in Ladina to Moravara also fasting on the 10th and asked them, what reason are you people fasting? And they would express, you know, you know what? On this day, Allah saved Musa salam, from Fir'aun, and Fir'aun was destroyed. So therefore, on the tent of Muhammad, we are fasting. Rasulullah mentioned this word specifically, Musa. We are closer to Musa salam, than these people. They think they were Moses. They keep the name Moshe and Solomon and you know David or whatever. But the reality is, we are closer to all the Ambiyari compared to any one of them. So we will honor this day, but Khaliful Yahud go against them directly, fast the day before, fast the day after. Hence, it is considered mustahab and preferred that a person does so. An important reminder also that you'll find them. Notice is going around about spending upon one's family. This is within one's own personal means. Spending upon one's family does not mean that you have to buy any particular gifts, or you have to take them out, or you have to go anywhere else, or you have to overly exert yourself. What, whatever is normally eaten on that evening, just put a little bit extra with this niyat and this intention that your Nabi said that if I spend a little bit extra on my family, then barakah will be granted for me for the rest of the year. Even that instruction is to be held with the practicality of Rasulullah Rasulullah never ever burdened the ummah with anything new, anything extravagant, anything expensive. This is something which we need to understand. Even the day of Eid, there is no such a concept as Eid shopping for anything new. Rasulullah says, your best, you wear your best, you come. Whatever the best may be. And of course, within the confines of Sharia, you wear best and you show up, you go what, and then the person asks, must we buy oil? Must we buy fragrance? Rasulullah tells him, if you have, use it. If you don't have it, take it from your brother next door. As a dad of Itar, that I want to fulfill the sunnah of that particular day. The nature of Nabi Wasallam is that to take the ummah away from anything excessive, anything opulent, anything extravagant, and to create a system and a day and a lifestyle of practicality.
الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وأدع إلى سبيل ربك بالحكمة والموعظة الحسنة فنحمد حمدا كثيرا كلما يحمد الحامدون ونشكره شكرا جميلا كلما يشكره الشاكرون وصلى الله على النبي صلى الله عليه وآله صلاة وسلاما دائمتين متلازمتين لا يجمع الأولون والآخرون أما بعد فيا أيها الناس أوصيكم نفسي بتقوى الله فقد فاز المتقون ويقول الله عز وجل كنتم خير أمة أخرجت للناس تأمرون بالمعروف وتنهون للمنكر وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم من راى منكم منكرا فليخير بيده فإن لم يستضف بلسانه وإن لم يستضف بقلبه وذلك أضعف الإيمان أو كما قال عليه الصلاة والسلام هذا وحثكم على طاعه الله وطاعه رسوله ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد رشد واهتدى ومن يعص الله ورسوله فقد خسر وغوى واستغفر الله لي ولكم ولسائر المسلمين فاستغفروه فيا فوز المستغفرين ويا نجاه التائبين الحمد لله الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونوبه وتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهدي الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له ونشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد ان سيدنا ونبينا ومولانا محمد عبده ورسوله ارسله بالحق بشيرا ونذيرا بين يدي الساعه من يطع الله ورسوله فقد رشد ومن يعصينا فإنه لا يضر إلا نفسه ولا يضر الله شيئا أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل على محمد عبدك ورسولك وصل على المؤمنين والمؤمنات والمسلمين والمسلمات وبارك على محمد وأزواجه وذريته قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم رحم أمتي بأمتي بكر رضي الله تعالى واشهد في امر الله عمر رضي الله تعالى واستقوا محيا عن عثمان رضي الله تعالى واقضاه علي رضي الله تعالى وفاطمه سيدنا سيد اهل الجنه والحسن والحسين سيدا شباب اهل الجنه وحمزه واسد الله واسد رسوله اللهم اغفر العباس وولده مغفرة ظاهرة وباطنة لا تغادر ذنبا وعن كل الصحابه اجمعين اللهم في اصحابي لا تت 
يتخذهم غرضا من بعدي فمن أحبه فبحب أحبهم ومن أبغضه فببغض أبغضهم وخير أمة قرني ثم الذين يلونهم ثم الذين يلونهم ربنا آتنا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة وقنا ذاب النار اللهم وفقنا لما تحب وترضى من الفعل والقول والعمل والنية والهدى إنك على كل شيء قدير اللهم عز الإسلام والمسلمين اللهم انصر من نصر دين سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم اجعلنا منهم عباد الله رحمكم الله إن الله يعمر بالأرض الإحسان وإيتاء ذي القربى وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعذكم لعلكم تذكرون اذكروا الله يذكركم وادعوه يستجب لكم ولذكر الله تعالى أعلى وأولى وعز وجل وتم وأكبر والله يعلم ما تصنعون أقيم الصلاة so what I did you please make your sufuf as straight as possible do not leave any gaps Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim Maliki Yawmiddin Iyaka Na'budu wa Iyaka Nasta'in Ihdina Sirat Al-Mustaqim Sirat Al-Ladhina An'amta Alayhim غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين إن بطش ربك لشديد إنه هو يبدئ ويعيد وهو الغفور الودود ذو العرش المجيد فعال لما يريد هل أتاك حديث الجنود فرعون وثمود بل الذين كفروا في تكذيب الله من ورائهم محيط بل هو قرآن مجيد في لوح محفوظ الله أكبر سمع الله لمن حمده الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر الحمد لله رب العالمين الرحمن الرحيم 
ഹസനാ سبحان ربك رب العزه عما يصفون والسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين